0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Introducing Built to Last, a new podcast by American Express. I'm Elaine Welteroth and I'm excited to host the debut season where we will be deep diving into the stories, history, and continued legacy of small businesses that shape American culture. Through these important conversations, we'll hear how the black business leaders of our past have inspired today's black-owned small businesses and communities. Join us for the debut season of Built to Last on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.
2: Welcome into the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm upset by Drake. Marvin Lewis is still here as of 10, 11 Eastern time. You can follow on Twitter at James Rapine at Locked on Bengals. subscribe, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, the iHeartRadio app. And as always, you can follow along on Twitter at James Rapine at Joe Goodberry. You know what time it is. I told you on yesterday's show, I have the postgame edition of the Locked On Bengals podcast. If you missed that, by the way, you can hear from John Ross, Tyler Boyd, Bengals head coach Marvin Lewis. And uh, I also react to your voicemails and more on a post-game edition of the podcast but today it's time for our weekly film review which means joe goodberry of the athletic joins us he joins us every single week you can follow him on twitter at joe goodberry joe is on with us now all right joe there's a lot of film stuff i want to get to but yesterday i opened it up with you remember the chris brown song say goodbye oh yeah all right well you know there's never a right time to say goodbye well well actually right now is the perfect time to say goodbye. Marvin Lewis would not be the head coach of the Bengals. I would have fired him right after the game or early this morning or late last night, whatever. He would have been gone. Darren Simmons would have been the interim head coach until the end of the season. Is there any reason why I'm wrong or off about making that decision?
1: No, you're not. <laughs> I mean, they, they can make – honestly, it, this, is, this is this is a low point in um, – in the Marvin Lewis area, era, maybe the lowest, I, I, you know, the only thing I, I would compare is the um, 2015 playoff loss, obviously. And mm. it's funny because when we think about, and a lot of people are thinking about it right now, of um, completely blowing it up or, or going in a new direction. And it, you look at, and I believe you posted their record since that 2015 playoff loss. And you look back and you say, man, that was the time, wasn't it? And that was the time to do it. And they didn't. And we've had to suffer through these last, three years that have been really more painful than, than, than you would expect for a team that's been competitive, but yet the expectations of coming off of all those playoff years. And then to what they're putting out on the field right now, this may be the worst performance or the worst team in the Marvin Lewis era. And that's even what the Ryan Fitzpatrick led terrible Bengals. Uh, mm-hmm. what was that? Oh, nine. Oh, eight. Oh, eight. Oh, yes. And, um, you know, but your expectations were so low for that team when they lost Carson Palmer that it was like, eh, whatever, you know, and it was a, it was terrible to get through that year. But right now it's like you still kind of have hope because you look at the roster every week and you go, okay, they can at least make this entertaining for us. Mm-hmm. And then they go out there and they're terrible. So the Browns, of all teams, you thought every time throughout the 16 years, you always had the Browns. You know, it didn't matter what kind of losing streak you were on. If the Browns were on the schedule, you felt like that was your get-right game, and it it has served as that plenty of times for Marvin Lewis. If you didn't have the Browns in this division for the last 16 years, I don't know if Marvin Lewis even lasts this long with the Bengals. So you get to this game and they get destroyed. It wasn't close. The score at the end looked decent, but it wasn't close. They got murdered. And there is no reason for anybody to continue this year with any type of hope, with any type of looking towards the future, because I think the future should be completely up in the air for every. Person, every decision maker, and every position on this roster.
2: Yeah, there's so much I want to talk about when it comes to the future of this team and what they didn't do this past offseason and what they should do moving forward. Here's what I will say I think yesterday, and you kind of touched on it a little bit, I think yesterday was a big moment in Browns Bengals. You're right. Marvin Lewis has always been able to get six, seven, eight wins. Part of the reason is because the Browns are in his division that's not going to be the case anymore. I mean, they're going to be in the division. They're good, and they're going to be really good. Like, they're not even good yet, but their quarterback is good. They're going to get a pretty good head coach, I would say, because why? Baker Mayfield's there, and yeah, I would love 100%. I would love to coach Baker Mayfield. If I'm a free agent wide receiver, guess where I'd want to go? If I'm a free yep. agent, insert whatever, guess where I'd want to play? Cleveland, because they have a future. You can see the future. It's pretty obvious, and to me... That means, okay, so the Browns' future looking pretty good. The Steelers, I don't know about the future, but the present Steelers still pretty damn good. And I, I, I know Ben is getting older. I still think he's got a couple of years left. And the Ravens, they got the quarterback. You should have taken 21st overall and Lamar Jackson. And instead, you took a center, which is fine, but now you don't have a future. <laughs> now it's Andy Dalton and Marvin or Hugh Jackson, or let's say it's neither one of those guys Where would you rather go? Cleveland with Baker, dysfunctional owner, sure, but dysfunctional owner here, and Andy Dalton, who's 30. A.J. Green, who's probably angry as hell right now about this team, 30. It's a declining roster. It's a coach who's been here way too long, and unless Mike Brown makes drastic change, they're going to fall behind the Browns. They could potentially fall behind the Ravens, and they've been behind the Steelers for the past decade and a half, so why would that change?
1: they're behind them now, this year, right now. They're behind the Browns. They're not a better team. We saw that on the field. Um, I think the Browns are going in the complete opposite direction that the Bengals are going, which is positive for, for Cleveland and bad for Cincinnati, if that needed to be explained. But um, in just yesterday's game, look at the difference in the quarterbacks. It, it, the Browns just had a new coordinator. They just fired Hugh Jackson and Todd Haley, two offensive guys that are highly regarded in the league, or were until this year, right? And they put in Freddie Kitchens as their coordinator, and now all of a sudden they look really good. And, and part of that was inserting Banker Mayfield, um, you know, a third of the way into the season of what we have so far. And you can see the difference in the quarterback play. We've complained a lot about the Bengals offense, putting a lot of it on injuries and a lot of it on offensive line play. And then the receivers aren't getting open. Bill Lazer's not calling enough run plays or whatever the case may be. They're not being creative enough. And we we talk about Dalton, but we when you step back and look and you you see this Browns offense outperform the Bengals completely. And it's not that guys are just running wide open or that they're getting beat by Jarvis Landry. It's that Baker Mayfield was fantastic. He made a bunch of throws, even in the first four drives. That Andy Dalton would that would be one of Andy Dalton's best games ever. And this is Baker Mayfield's, what, seventh start or something? Sixth start? And it's like, whoa, whoa, what are we talking about at this point? If you look at their numbers on the season already, Baker Mayfield already has a higher completion percentage. He already has a higher quarterback rating than Andy Dalton on the season. He's got 17 touchdowns and seven interceptions. He's already better than Andy Dalton in year eight. And he's six games in. And then not only and – I'm sure we're going to get to Dalton, and now I'm on a roll here, but – And then you see Jeff Driscoll come in with the same offense for the Bengals, with the same players, with the same offensive line, with the same coordinator, and all of a sudden he's pushing the ball down the field, and he's forcing it into tight windows. And he's that that throw to Tyler Boyd for the touchdown is a throw Andy Dalton has pulled down at least ten times this year and not thrown that because the window is too tight, because he can't get it over that linebacker and in front of that safety. I've highlighted it numerous times on The Athletic and on Twitter. Dalton will not make that throw consistently. And not, not saying Jeff Driscoll will, but he did right then and there and it made it and made a nice play, a nice touchdown, and a play they needed at that time. And so you look at it and you step back and you go, we've complained about a lot of things on this offense. And sure, we have with Dalton too, but the biggest factors in your offense always and will be in the NFL no matter what, you're the coordinator and the quarterback. And right now, the Bengals have a problem at both. And in a day like today where nobody is above getting blamed or getting the finger pointed, we need to look exactly and directly at quarterback and say, He's 30, will be 31. It is time to draft that next guy. It is time to move on at the quarterback position as well as the, the coaching positions.
2: Yeah, I'm with you. Joe Goodberry of The Athletic is with us. I'm with you. And the problem is is now you got the the Herbert kid from Oregon who's probably going to go in the top five. The Bengals, even though they're sliding right now and some fans don't think they're going to win another game, I don't think they're going to be drafting that high. They've never been aggressive in trading up. So I look at it and I say, well, damn, you missed your opportunity with Lamar Jackson. That's the guy. Now, some fans might say, oh, he's too thin, he can't make the plays, whatever you want to say, fine. But if I'm a an offensive-minded head coach, which I think is really where the league is trending, I, I think that that's what you need to look at moving forward, I would want to see a quarterback like that waiting. That doesn't mean that Lamar would even have to start as early as next season. I don't know. Maybe you keep Andy. Maybe you trade him for picks. I don't know. But I would be much more Attracted to a job that either you are got a top five pick and you can get your quarterback or you have a Lamar Jackson, you have someone like that waiting around. The Bengals have neither. They have an injured now 30, 31-year-old quarterback, an injured star wide receiver in A.J. Green. Who knows what's going to happen with him in really a declining roster. It's one of the youngest rosters in the league. A lot of those young players, half of them, it doesn't seem like they're going to pan out. Half of them, like Jesse Bates, seem to be really good. At the same time, it's not been enough, and they didn't address the most important position in the past couple of drafts. Quarterback Joe, the Bengals need to start listening to us because they would have their quarterback. They would have an offensive-minded head coach. I feel like things might be a little different today.
1: And I, it's the path they're now forced into making. I mean, they, they didn't want to do it. They did. They wanted to. Well, we're just we're close enough, you know. We're on the brink, which I never felt they were because we've always seen the limits of the combination of Marvin Lewis and Andy Dalton, and we've seen it in the playoffs. We've seen it against good teams. We've seen it in prime time. Um, and so they always felt they were closer than, than, than we did, so we were always a little bit more aggressive in, in what they should do. Um, and now they're forced to make those decisions. And now they're forced, and it's right in front of them, and I don't think they can deny it any longer. Uh, yes, they should have taken Lamar Jackson. We said, this, we said this before. And listen, Jackson hasn't been prolific passing, but the Ravens offense instantly got better with a guy that's dynamic and instantly got better with a guy that, isn't limiting the offense in the way Joe Flacco is. And we can say the same about Andy Dalton in the way this uh, this this offense operates a lot of times that is extremely limited. John Ross killed Denzel Ward down the sideline and our missed quarterback it. missed it. Destroyed. We can't have that.
2: he shredded him. Oh my god, and he just misses him. I lofted it up there, let John run under it. Instead, you throw it short and it's not acu- I uh. before the
1: 54-yard uh. attempt. Andy Dalton tries to throw an anticipation throw to uh To uh, Uzama on on a comeback route, basically over the middle of the field, it's too early and it's inaccurate. And now they got to try a 54-yard field goal with a guy who's kicking 44% from over 50. You can't have that. These are these are why they were down 14-0 from the get-go. Those are those are the these are two of the first three drives where they should have scored and should have put, put touchdowns to match the Browns' touchdowns up, but they couldn't. And it it falls directly on the quarterback in these situations. It's not because the offensive line was is bad. It actually it held up pretty well for the most part. Besides probably oh boy he and Billy Price. Billy Price had his worst game as a pro. Got his quarterback quarterback injured on a high snap would probably broke his thumb again. Now I'm speculating, but it looked like it the same thumb that he hurt in 2015. And we're sitting here saying, well, price isn't exactly cementing himself as a instant impact star in the center position. When, when, how many first round picks for the Bengals haven't had an impact in in year one. And yet we always got to battle these people that, oh, you can't take a quarterback because they have a hole at center. You can't take a quarterback because they have a need at tight end. Can't take a quarterback because they need a linebacker. No, you take a quarterback because the team that's going to win it all this year, whatever team it's going to be, is going to have a good quarterback, but you know what they're also going to have. They're going to have a hole at right guard. They're going to have a hole at defensive end or corner. It doesn't matter. You get the right quarterback in there and you can, fix some of those things later with coaching and with the the advantage your quarterback will have over the other guy. It it just, it drives me crazy. And we're probably going to talk about it all the way until draft season comes around again, but we're there now. We're there. And I think more people than ever are on the same side of something has to change and has to change at the most important positions.
2: It's our weekly Bengals film review with Joe Goodberry of the athletic. We'll get back to all things Bengals and actually dive into the film, including Marvin Lewis's defense. But first, let's talk about sex. Remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. Bluechew.com, that's blue like the color blue. Bluechew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day, night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, They work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal since you listen to Locked on Bengals. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free. When you use our special promo code, Locked on. Again, promo code locked on will get your first shipment free. Just pay the $5 for shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code locked on to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. And we thank them for sponsoring the podcast.
0: All the way up to a thousand bucks. The terms are simple. You put in $200, they'll match you with another $100 in your account. If you were already planning to bet this season, this is free betting money. It's winning season at MyBookie, so come join in on the fun and win some cash while you're at it. This is Ross Jackson from Locked On Saints. This podcast is brought to you by Carvana. In the age of
2: online retailers, buying a car should be no different. And that's why Carvana invented a brand new way for you to buy a car. Join me every Thursday with The First One Drops only on Amazon Music. Let's go. We want the best of both worlds. We want a hybrid. A smarter hybrid cloud approach with IBM helps retailers manage supply chains with Watson AI while predicting demands with ease. The world is going hybrid with IBM. Visit ibm.com slash hybrid cloud. Huey Lewis and the Bengals fall to 0-2. Let's start with the defense, Joe, because... Marvin Lewis said he has it. It, it. it was him. He he moved on from Terrell Austin, and what was his goal? His goal was to turn things around. This Bengals team was 5-4. and four. They had just gotten beaten up by the New Orleans Saints. They had two important divisional games at Baltimore and home for Cleveland. Things could be salvaged. So Marvin Lewis takes over the defense. He brings in Hugh Jackson to help with, uh, with just head coaching role, assistant, whatever, get him coffee, whatever the case may be. Either way, it hasn't worked. They're zero two. Are Huey Lewis and the Bengals? Uh, Marvin Lewis's defense does it look any different than what Terrell Austin put out there when you pop on the film?
1: No, uh, they're doing things. They're it, it's, the results. The results are the same. No. The results are that they they the efforts low. They're missing tackles and the open in the middle of the field is too open consistently. I think William Jackson allowed one catch on a slant, but that's it. I didn't notice the um, Darquez West are getting beat in place of Drake Kirkpatrick, Darius Phillips, and Kavari Russell had to get in there. You really didn't notice those guys getting beat. And you look at it and you go, it's not the corners. We know, and we know that was an area of depth. The teams aren't even attacking that position right now. They're trying to isolate a safety or a linebacker in coverage, and they're just picking on them. And then the pass rush is just not there. Again, they didn't get anywhere near the quarterback. And you look at it, and it's just low energy on that defensive line for whatever reason. Um, on the play, David Njoku scores where he, he gets flipped up in the air, lands on a foot, and then the rest of the Browns push him in. You look at the guys that are just standing around on that play on the defense. There's three guys trying to make the tackle, but there's four Browns pushing Njoku in, and the rest of the Bengals are just standing there watching. And it's like, again, the effort is extremely low. And I'm not. I'm not one of those fans and one of those guys that that is all the efforts bad. That's why they're losing. It, it's extremely blatant on the defensive side of the ball that they are just going through the motions. They're just really not into it. A lot of that stems. And someone said this um, that I really trust football wise, and that's a lot of like Matt Waldman on, on Twitter. You find him at RSP Scouting Notebook. He says teams take on the strongest personality of their head coach and quarterback, and I think that's very true, and um, and here's a team that's just very lackluster, unenergetic, un- very n- not very tough, not not into it, and it just shows so often on the defensive side. And I think they're, I think the injuries have hurt has hurt the defense more than the offense because Nick Vigil was their best linebacker, but was playing that way. Um, the depth at defensive tackle has really fallen off after they put number three, four, and five defensive tackle on injured reserve. Not having Carl Lawson out there has sapped the pass rush completely. A lot of people are like, well, where's Carl Lawson with his one sack? He had a handful of pressures in every single game, and now you're not even getting those, and it's not pushing the quarterback towards um, Dunlap and Atkins. And Atkins is making plays in the run game, Dunlap's making plays in the fast game, but they are just not breaking through, uh, I mean, in the, in the run game for both those guys. They're just not breaking through its pass rushers, and it's really, it's, it's really just that there's too many holes in the middle of the field. Um, plays like Uh, I think there was a sack Carlos Dunlap and Atkins split a sack and Vontaze Perfect was called for defensive holding and if you watch the replay he has no business even touching that guy he has no business even getting near that guy and putting a hand on him he did that I I believe he did that on his own decision and he cost the team Uh, and these are the types of plays that when you look at it and Perfect hasn't played well all year and honestly this is a, a a horrific season they benched Hardy Nickerson Perfect hasn't been much better. And so you look at it and you say, there's another guy that is a face of the defense or a face of the team. You've got to let him go, too. We've got to move on from, from Montez Perfect. He shouldn't even be out there right now. And, um, you know, it, there's a lot of issues with the defense. And I, I honestly believe most of it would get fixed with just a brand new vision and a brand new direction on the defensive side
2: of the ball. Joe, there was a play where Vontez Perfect, I believe it was in the first half, Nick Chubb caught a pass out of the backfield, just a quick screen dump-off pass, and Burfict's in position, and yep. Chubb cuts it out, and it looks like Burfict is running in quicksand or sludge or something, and suddenly... There's three yards between the two, and someone else came up and made the play. It was it didn't end up being a big play. Yeah, I think
1: he dove for it, right? And it wasn't uh, even close.
2: Yeah, like, perfect was it was trailing, and he was in position. Like, it should have just been a tackle, and normal perfect would have made the tackle, and instead he was trailing, and Chubb would have been off to the races, but I think a corner came up and made the play. He was awful yesterday. A, like, two and a half steps low is how it felt to me.
1: He's been awful all year, and it's, if you focus on this game, then this is exactly how he's played, and he looks extremely subtle. Uh, I think the Bengals posted a video before the game. You know, they normally on Twitter, they posted like a, kind of like a hype video, some highlights, and a couple of them were of Von, Vontaze Burfecht running and making plays, and he was so much thinner. And I think <laughs> some of them were from 2015 or so, and uh, I, he's not even the same guy out there. He's in, He doesn't even look like the same guy. And before, he was an energy creator at the very least, right? Even when he was heavy before and you know, rounding into shape as he was coming back from suspension or injuries, he at least created energy and excitement and toughness on the defense. He's not even providing that right now at all. So, if anything, I think he's sapping some away because you see him arguing and pointing fingers with, at players after the plays and complaining about the, complaining to the refs, complaining and, and getting in fights with other, the other team, which only amps the other team up and, get, and raises their energy up. I think he's a negative impact on this defense completely and honestly uh, looking at it and I don't want to blame anybody else on this defense more than their middle linebacker that's supposed to be their guy but also when you see things like Geno Atkins dropping in the coverage on on two of the biggest plays the Browns had in the first half and you just go Marvin that's that's you. you you're calling the plays here what are you doing and there was even some plays where you see perfect was telling marvin to recall the play or, or he couldn't hear him out there and it must and i, no, I don't know if anybody asked him again because marvin talked about him after the first week that he had issues with the headset and hitting the right button but <laughs> these are just these are just silly things we're talking about that are, are repeats and continuations of this defense. And I know I said in the last question that I think a new vision would help the defense. And, we, and I argue that maybe with Marvin Lewis taking over for Terrell Austin. But as we've seen, that is not the case. And, and this team is still struggling to get their hands on the ball on defense, make a play, create a turnover. And they're just going to continue to get beat. If this is, If the offense can only put up 20 points at the most right now, you're going to lose a lot of games.
2: Yeah, you are going to lose a lot of games and that's what they're doing. Bengals take on the Broncos at Paul Brown Stadium. I have a feeling not many Bengals fans are going to go to that one on Sunday. Joe Goodberry of The Athletic is with us. Let's talk about the offense, and let's start with what they did or didn't do, and I know you talked some about Andy Dalton. To me, it it was weird, uh, just from a play-calling perspective, how things changed. There was uh, When Jeff Driscoll came in, there was a quick flip to mix in that didn't gain a lot on the far side, but I still – I liked it. Uh, it was on the far side from where I was in the uh, the media booth. And, and I, I look, and I'm like, oh, well, that's cool. Quick flip to him. And, and I look at the end of the game, and I'm like, well, Mixon, seven targets, seven receptions.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Why is that not the case every single week? Like, I, I It seemed like they got a little bit more creative when Driscoll was in there. And stuff that I think you can run with Andy Dalton. The other part of this that I think is quite interesting is Odden Tate. I know he didn't put up huge numbers, but just him jumping and diving in the way he can contort his body and go up and get it and just his physical traits, he's got to be in the game over Cody Core. There's no denying that, and it didn't take long for us to see that he could still do what he did in training camp, and that doesn't mean he's going to be a good player, But, but to me... I don't trust this coaching staff at all to evaluate talent. Like I know they're not super high on John Ross. I am. I'll side with me. I know the fans are. Most fans are really high on Odd and Tate. The coaches aren't. I've heard the front office is. I want Tate in there before Cody Core. Overall, what were your thoughts on just the Bengals' offensive game plan? Was this on Andy early? Was it on Laser? What was it?
1: it there was there was early in the game. Andy missed crucial throws, like we talked about in the first segment with that. Ross miss with Uzama miss over the middle, and then an interception coming back. when he, I think he was going to Cody Core on the right side. Core run a terrible route, and, and, but Dalton, you know, trying to trust him, throws an interception. Um, yes, I'm 100% with you that Tate's got to be in there, and it's because he may catch it while he's covered, and most of these guys are covered because they're not scheming anybody open in this offense, really. They may scheme Tyler Boyd open once in a while, but even then, he, you know, when they did, it seems like the Ravens and the Browns tried to double them when um, because the it's blatant when they're scheming boy open they're bringing them in motion trying to see if they're get manned. they stack them behind a tight end or, or another receiver and I think at that point defenses are keying on it and, and throwing a safety or a linebacker inside to try and double them so nobody's getting schemed open so everyone on this team is have, has to make contested grabs and um, you want Auden Tate in there for that I, as you can see we don't trust Cody Court to even get open and, and make these grabs so talking about I want to talk about Tate because he got two fades or at least goal line opportunities in the beginning of the game right before the, the halftime, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Dalton throws the fade. I believe it's second down. Completely out of bounds. Misses him completely. Not even close. A.J. Green's reaction to that play to me, if you saw it on the, on the TV uh, I broadcast... He was not happy, and I was going to post it um, because I wanted to record it and post it on Twitter. But you could see he's going, "God damn it!" And he's he, from what I can read out of his mouth, and he's—he's—you can see he's upset that that Tate didn't get the opportunity to catch that ball because he, he is—he's got great positioning on it. His eyes are up; he almost goes up for a one-handed grab and gets it, but the ball is completely out of bounds, and you can see Green. From that perspective of, oh, I've seen that before. And, 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 you know, you go on to the next play. But when you're on the sideline or when you're watching it like we are, you get a little more frustrated. And I think we've seen Green act that way or or, or react that way it is very telling, I, I believe. And then comes back and, and they, they get someone offside. So it's third down and they go to Auden Tate again. And the, and the ball is a rocket ball back shoulder that's thrown too early again. Dalton's timing was so off this game. People say it's, it's the lack of faith in the offensive line, but. At the same time, it's always been like this. He's always had a quick timer in his head.
2: Wasn't that an offside? It it was an offside. It was a free play. And he like, it it was almost like he panicked. He knew it was a free play and he just got rid of it really quick. Exactly. If I remember right, it wasn't like there was pressure right in his face. He had another half second.
1: No, that guy stopped. That guy jumped. He planted his foot. The ball snapped. So that guy wasn't coming in. I feel like Dalton reacted like, oh, that guy's got a free run at me. I got to release it right away. But that's, special awareness that a really good quarterback would have. You know, the really good guys are like, okay, I've got a little more time. You've got that matrix vision in your head. Or I don't got to see that guy. I can feel him and would know you've got another half second. Let Auden Tate get into his route. You know, with with you got to throw each receiver differently. With Ross, you have got to throw a little bit earlier, so because you're not going to be able because you're overthrowing him on a lot of these plays or underthrowing him before. Now he's overthrown, him. so you got to throw it a little bit earlier. With Dante, you may have to throw it a little bit later. Let him get into his route. Let him settle a little bit, so he can get to his spot at the right time, at the right depth, and get his head around. Um, you saw it on the Ravens play where where, or, where he caught a five yard pass on third and six, where uh, Marvin Lewis said he didn't get enough depth on his comeback route. Well, Auden Tate is aware of, of his limitations, I believe, and that's why he tried to get in there and get to the right timing and didn't get the right depth because he's not the fastest guy. And that's when you see him trying to overcompensate and, and snap his route off a little bit quicker because he knows he's got to get there in like 1.8 seconds. So, you know, that's the type of thing, you, 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 you the adjustment with receiver and quarterback. So on this play, and I'm, I've got it on right now, it's just – Dalton was way too quick. Now they come back on third downs and John Ross catches a touchdown because that's all he catches, and that's fantastic. But at the same time, you know, that's when process is more important than the product or the the production because those two missed throws on first and second down – are mistakes and, and, and missed opportunities to score and put up points on the board. They, they go into the same hat as missing John Ross, as missing C.J. Ozama, as not throwing that seam route to Tyler Boyd earlier in the game. So, you, you, you know, even though they scored on that drive, it still comes out as one good play, two negative plays, in my opinion, of the quarterback play.
2: What is your opinion on uh, Tyler Boyd? Obviously he had a pretty good game, led the – the team and receiving. How did he play? How did John Ross play? Obviously, those two played the, the the most snaps out of the wide receivers. They're your two best wide receivers with AJ Green down. How yeah. was the wide receiver play?
1: I'm increasingly optimistic with John Ross, and I know we already were, but you know, after the rookie year, after the multiple injuries, after the games where he's catching two passes for 30 yards type games, where he's just like, uh, you know, we need more. They um, they are different routes to him, he had a couple slants. The one slant was a really nice grab, and with Denzel Ward on his back, um, the adjustment on his touchdown grab was really nice because he's, he knows he can't run his route straight through that linebacker. He's going to get stopped, so he's got to slow down, go around him, and settle into that hole. So that's a really good route. Then he has a drop pass where he lets it go into his chest. We've talked about that. He's working on catching with his hands. You say, well, every receiver should catch with his hands. Yes, that is the idea. But some receivers are body catchers and more comfortable in those situations, and it takes work to be able to comfortably extend and catch with your hands and not double clutch it or or bobble it and and feel more secure that way. And it's something he's working through, so he had a bad drop on the sideline. Um, But overall, I thought Ross was good. He did what he was supposed to do. He would have had a nice, deep touchdown against a really good corner in Denzel Ward, and, and, and he was missed by his quarterback, so it could have been a huge game. I thought Tyler Boyd could have had a huge game. You had that uh, the, the snap penalty on, on Billy Price at the end of the game, or Boyd plucked it off two guys' head. Man, it, it wouldn't have changed the game, but what a fantastic play by Tyler Boyd, and it's a fantastic effort. It. Those guys are good. I, I'm not worried about those. It's that if they had A.J. Green, man, you'd really love this receiving court right now. And then if the fourth guy was Auden Tate, you'd, you'd, you'd really like what they have. But mm-hmm. um, at the end of the day, you don't have Green, and that's been an issue. And, and hopefully he'll be back at some point. Hopefully he wants to come back. Hopefully he wants to come back for the future and for the, for the remaining years of his contract, to be honest with you, because I'm feeling right now like maybe you, when you blow it up, you let him go to a team that actually has a chance to win it.
2: Yeah, if I was him, I would ask for a trade at the end of the year.
1: Yeah, there's no reason why you shouldn't. I mean, honestly, if they're going to blow it up, and they probably should. He's one of their selling points to attract a head coach. Um, So I I could see why they would definitely want him because they have – Someone asked me yesterday because um, they said, well, who can th- this franchise get? Because obviously the Bengals are not a marquee destination. You talked about it in the opening. If you've got an, uh, an option between the Browns and the Bengals, you're going to take the Browns. Um, you're not going to take the Bengals that aren't going to spend in free agency that are going to kind of limit themselves in players they're, they're going to acquire. Uh, they're going to limit themselves in the scouting department. You're going to have to work with Mike Brown, who is, who is particular in some of the things he does. Um, so someone said, well, what's the selling point then? How do you – find a good coach. And to me, I, I would say it's that there is talent on this roster. There is talent at the skill positions. Um, they just need a new vision. They need a new direction on offense. And if you're a coach, you'll be able to draft your guys and implement your vision and, and and probably see the life of your contract if it's a three or four year deal. So having A.J. Green on this roster, and that's how the question started, would be a big selling point, I think, to the to the next coach. So. If he's willing to be involved in that process or, or be a, a, a part of that, I think that's the deciding factor. But if not, if we're if, if we're saying, "Oh, Hugh Jackson's the guy," like um, Jason Lockham Ford reported on on Sunday that he has a good chance of being the, the successor, then I think if I'm AJ Green, I'm like, "All right, give me, send me to somebody that that can win this. Send me to the to the Forty Nineers. Send me to you know." And even though the Forty ers aren't a better team right now, they've got a quarterback and a coach that mm-hmm. I think a lot of people can believe in. So I, uh, you know, for me, if I'm AJ Green, I. Yeah, I'm pulling a Carson Palmer.
2: Yeah, and what's interesting to me, and this is why, uh, just to double back on our Lamar Jackson, and we were all in on taking a quarterback. Remember, a franchise guy, whoever they felt like. So if they didn't think yep. it was Lamar, then and they thought it was Rosen, then trade up and get Rosen from the 12th spot, right? We talked about that. If they didn't think it was Rosen, and they thought it was Darn whatever, try to get that guy. We talked about yep. that. You and I felt like Lamar Jackson had that potential and oh, yeah. here's the thing if you would have drafted lamar in the first round you wouldn't have had a billy price but you would have stumbled into trey hopkins who is actually yep. a pretty good center so there's part of it and again hindsight 2020 but the other thing is is now andy dalton this off season, a couple of years left on his contract you're telling me jacksonville wouldn't be interested you're well, I telling two teams would. Uh, 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 who else who else because I think there would be plenty of interest there. I think you could get that first round pick that you seriously I think you could get a first for Andy if the team was desperate enough.
1: Let's say Eli Manning retires, I could see the yep. Giants being interested. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a handful of teams that you could persuade, especially if they're not in position to draft their guy. I think a lot of teams obviously would prefer to do that, especially with a first-round pick. But some of these teams are going to end up picking in the teens, and that's not the position normally to get a guy that you're going to insert day one. So, yeah, I think a team like the Giants that are – feel they're close, Jacksonville that feel they're close, and just feel like we just need some stability at that position would go for an Andy Dalton. Yeah, for sure. And
2: in the, in the other thing on a team I, would, I wouldn't be shocked, Dallas. I know things are turning around a little bit in Dallas and Dak Prescott's okay. Do you want to commit big money to to him long term or do you want two years of Andy Dalton at reasonable money? So that is the other point to this is the Bengals could have gotten a head start. And now, when even if they had brought Marvin back, now they would have been like, okay, it's time to turn the page. We have the quarterback to turn the page with. We can go get the head coach. We have an asset in Andy. Maybe A.J. Green would buy in more because he's seen, oh, Lamar, we're going to get a new coach. We have these assets. Instead, if I'm A.J., I'm not buying into this long-term plan. Joe, if you or I don't trust Marvin Lewis and the Bengals, deep down you think A.J. Green trusts Mike Brown and Marvin and all these guys to get it done? He doesn't, and that to me is the scary part. Is you could really be headed straight down to the ground, and it's crazy because it's only been a six-week process here. And I know the Bengals have suffered a ton of injuries, but six weeks ago, the Bengals were ninety seconds away from going five and one, and yep. instead, we're talking about blowing it up, and everything's different. And it's just it's been such a one eighty. But I think it's the reality. Last week, I hosted um, a crossover with Locked On Browns host Jeff Lloyd in. I had so many Bengals listeners come to me and say, why are you being so negative? And I'm like, look, I'm not being negative. I'm just being honest with you. Like, I think the Browns are better. I think Baker Mayfield's better than Andy Dalton. I think they're trending upward, and I don't feel good about the Bengals, especially with A.J. Green injured. And that was before Cordy Glenn and Drake Kirkpatrick. I I knew they weren't going to play. So it's just like, whew. It's it's one thing after another right now. And uh, I I really think if you go back to April's draft, I think that's where you can point to it and say, man, if they would have taken Lamar things long-term could be different. You need to sell hope. Do, do you feel how
1: hopeless the fan base is right now? Sure. And, and you, it's palpable. And that affects, honestly, I, I don't know how much the fans affect the team on the field. And sometimes I don't think it's any at all. But the feeling sometimes is mutual. And if fans are excited and team, the team feels excited, everyone feels into it. Everyone's into it. And it seems like teams perform better. When everything is negative, when things feel down, it just—I don't know if it's it's the team first that makes the fans feel that way. I don't know if it's the fans that that sometimes infiltrates how the stadium feels on Sundays. And um, you know, when you watch it, this team is extremely lifeless. And like you said, had they have invested and said we have a plan to potentially upgrade the most important position in football and maybe even sports, the quarterback position. We're we, we going to invest in that because we feel it's important, as all the other AFC North teams did, right? Two first-round picks, one first overall pick, a trade back into the first, a second-round pick, and Mason Rudolph, who knows what, what he is or how the Steelers even feel about him. But what did the Bengals do? seventh rounder and now your quarterback is injured and maybe missing some time and you have Jeff Driscoll now he's played fine but you have Jeff Driscoll going out there when you could have had Lamar Jackson running out there you could have had a, a numerous guys Mason Rudolph whoever just the idea of investing I don't care who it is I don't care who the name is people in here people may be listening right now well I don't like Lamar Jackson these guys love Lamar Jackson I don't care who it is I don't care what it is. The team's going to make the decision. It's going to be based on how the team feels. And you're going to carry this comment into April. I don't care what quarterback it is. If you feel that's the quarterback for you and that's the guy, the Bills feel Josh Allen was the guy, I wholeheartedly disagree. But guess what? Josh Allen and the Bills just beat the Jaguars and he rushed for 100 yards. And the fan base thinks he, well, man, he might be the guy. They, you just have to do it. You just have to say, we haven't invested well enough in the first round and other picks that you've got to just... Listen, they've been throwaway picks for, in the rookie years. Quarterback is going to be no different. You want to build a team that can actually get over the hump you get a cheap rookie deal quarterback. You build up everything else. Every you'll hear you because you'll hear these comments. People listening right now say you, you got to build the O line first. You got to you, you got to build. You got to have receivers. You got to have tight ends. This defense sucks. You need a better defense. You got to get a linebacker. All these things remain true. But you know what's the best way to do it and the easiest way to do it is when you're not paying a quarterback at all. When you're paying that quarterback three million dollars instead, or paying them you know one point five million dollars to say say you stumbled into a Russell Wilson in the third round, whatever. The case maybe those are best case scenarios but if you can have a quarterback on his rookie deal you can spend another 15 million on whatever you want now we're talking about the Bengals and they might just pocket it instead <laughs> but that's how you get to that path and that's how you get into those situations it's not by paying veteran quarterbacks that are hamstringing your offense
2: He's Joe Goodberry of The Athletic. Follow him on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. Joe, plenty to write about, plenty to talk about. What do you have coming up this week on The Athletic? I'm not
1: writing about anything. <laughs> I, no. <laughs> <laughs> My, the title is, for the next one, Punt the Bengals into the Sun.
2: <laughs> Dang. Well, Kevin Huber might be their best player right now, so maybe that's the case. You know, he's a secret he went, weapon.
1: Punt the rest of the team into the Sun. Keep Kevin Huber. That's well, the title.
2: No, what about John Ross? By the way, I have to get a jersey
1: you do have to get jersey that's five touchdowns yeah by and- the way
2: why are they so creative in like motioning him and in like giving him routes to win on in the red zone like and not just ross like they're they're more creative and they execute so much better in the red zone than they do between the 1 yard line and the yep. the 20 the, the opponent's 20 it's it's insane that they're flawless when it counts in the red zone but they suck at executing up until the red zone
1: I was only at camp for a couple of days, and we talked one day, and I said, man, they are really working hard on the red zone, and the red zone looks fantastic. And we talked about it, yep. and it really did. And then all year, their red zone has been really, really good. You get them in the red zone, I feel like Bill Lazor can scheme them to to success. Um, it, you know, you divvy up your time, as every team does, on red zone stuff, on third down stuff, on, you know, your basic script packages. that, that You're going to come out your first 14 plays, maybe first two drives, and then from there, you know, things are fluid. So – how much time are how much time are they putting into these sections of the offense it seems like they put a lot of time in the red zone which is great i'd love touchdowns are worth way more than field goals you may say a field goals worth 3 you uh, i retweeted it yesterday read that link that the the statistics say touchdowns are worth three times as much as field goals. And you may say that math doesn't add up, but at the end of the day, touchdowns win games, not field goals, and that's what it comes down to. So you need to score, and the Bengals are good at doing that. It's their explosive plays. It's their consistency. It's their third down execution. And, you know, maybe that means they need to invest more time into that. Maybe it means they need a better quarterback. Maybe it means they a better offensive line. They need receivers to get open. Whatever the case is, yes, if we want to look at a positive, they are very good in the red zone.
2: Yeah, they are. He's Joe Goodberry of The Athletic. Joe, I appreciate the time as always. Hopefully you had a lovely Thanksgiving. Plenty to be thankful oh, yeah. for, um, but but just not when it comes to the Bengals. I will, uh, I will talk to you soon.
1: All right. Take care, James.
2: Good stuff there from Joe Goodberry of The Athletic. You can follow Joe on Twitter. At Joe Goodberry. He joins us every single week for our weekly Bengals film review. On Twitter, at James Erpine, at Locked On Bengals. You can subscribe to the only daily Bengals podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, the iHeartRadio app, and wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, until tomorrow, I'm James Erpine. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Locked On Bengals podcast.